Unless you came in on a little bit after the, after the video had started, the, the young man that got in trouble for stealing the, 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 the medicine for his mom was given a free vegetable soup and juice by the, by the man that owned the business. And when the man that owned the business collapsed and had a very bad illness, 30 years later it was the kid that he gave the meal to that saved his life and paid the debt. See, Jesus tells us in the New Testament that we're to choose to lose, and that's not something that we do very, very well. In a world that says take, in a world that says that's mine, give me more, climb that corporate ladder, listen, there's nothing wrong with success. You're not going to hear me bash success. Success is good. God has enabled you to work hard at your living, to gain another position, to, to make a little bit more money, but in all of that, God tells us this, the, matter, the more successful you are, the more that I want you to give, the more I want you to lose. Some of you already right now are searching for that mute button. They said, oh, I want to, put, I want to take Matt's voice, and I'm just going to mute him because this is not going to, it's not going to be fun to hear. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because when I was preparing for this, this week, last week, this morning, I'm thinking, man... I said, God, how am I gonna, how am I gonna show them that they're already doing this? So, I walked in this morning, in between sound check and, and worship, and I and I and I pulled two guys aside right back there in the back, and I pulled them aside. I said, Guys, I need your help. What's that? What do you need? See, look, they didn't even know what I was gonna, I was gonna ask, and both of them said, What do you need? Already choosing to lose, losing, losing time that they had to maybe hang out with somebody else, maybe talk to somebody they haven't talked to already, and they, they chose to lose, and they said, what do you need? And I said, what we need is a few more people in our church that like to visit and talk, and I was being very sarcastic. And as I looked out there, people were giving of themselves, and they were losing themselves and losing time talking to maybe their mate, maybe somebody, one of their friends, and they began, and they continued to talk with one another. See, that's special. That's what Jesus is trying to talk to us about. And when we look at the book of John later on in a little bit, he says, I want you to give. I want you to give. I want you to give. And he was physically talking to men that were going to physically give their life. They were going to die. You and I, it's a little bit different. But we still have to give up that portion, that part. I have a couple of reminders before I get into the service. May 3rd. If you're unfamiliar with connection and our baptism, we, back behind this curtain we have a baptistry. We don't call it baptism. It's a little bit cooler, I guess. I don't know. More non-traditional probably. It's called a dunked party. A dunked party. I was at a banquet last night at school and I was in front of a lady and she said, I've heard lots of things about you. The problem is I can't tell you her name. And I said, oh boy. Now, my grandma lives in Wayne City. She has a lot of friends. I thought, maybe it's her. And she said, you know, I've got two neighbors that go to your church. I said, oh, yeah? And she goes, and they said that some kind of May 3rd thing, you're going to dunk people, and that's what you call a baptism. And I said, awesome. My people are talking to other people. <laughs> I said, yeah, we call it a dunk party. She goes, well, I've never called it that. I said, mm, okay. <laughs> but here at Connection, it's called a dunk party. We celebrate. We're only going to have one service. That's in two weeks. Not next week. In two weeks. One service, now, now here's the draw. After the dunk party, there's more food than you can possibly understand. And we want everybody to stay. Bring your family, bring your, bring, if, if, and if you want to be baptized, please, you, get, you need to talk to me pretty quick. Okay, I have a, a little bit of information I want to find out about you, but May 3rd, let me know. As I watch this video that we've, that we've watched, and I watched it seven or eight times in, in my in my house as I was preparing for, for, for this sermon. And I thought, man, what a great illustration of choosing to lose. Choosing, now listen, I'm not sure what 792,000 bot is. I didn't do that. But I can tell you it's a lot of money. If you go to the hospital to have a baby, it's a lot of money. So we're taking, having a surgery, same thing. But I got a lifelong lesson, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't wake up this morning going, oh, I can't wait till 1034 in the morning so I can share this story with my church because I'm not really proud of it. What I am proud of is last Sunday, I had to be out of town. And I'm proud of two guys that got up here and helped us lead, and, and there were people that just came and did their jobs. Listen, you can't understand how proud I was of those guys. And here are people. I, had, I got a call in Washington, D.C. We were an hour ahead. I'm like, oh, man. 
wow, that church is about over. Mm. And I get a call. And I thought, well, this could, be, this, could, this could go two ways. One, they want Colton and not me. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully not. Not yet. We got plans for Colton. But it was a call from a member of this church. Matt, I just want you to know that the people in the popcorn, the people in Kids Rock, the people at First Impressions, the people that spoke, the people that preached, the people that played, it was awesome. All because you chose to lose. You picked, I'm going to give. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I was all the way across the country. And there were times on my trip where I was pretty scared. I was on a senior trip. Wow, why are you scared? For the obvious. <laughs> but if you saw the headlines of the, of the news... A gentleman thought so heavily about protesting that he climbed the steps of the Capitol and he committed suicide. And he was holding a briefcase. And I was 30 feet below his feet. With 122 seniors and eight other chaperones. And we were two, hour, two hours on lockdown inside the Capitol. And no, there weren't panic circles and I didn't get to preach to a thousand people, but I talked to whoever would listen. And I enjoyed my trip. It was a little shaky part. It was a little scary. But before we started on our trip, we boarded the bus in Wayne City. And then we went over to Fairfield to meet. It's all the Wayne County schools. It's it's, uh, Wayne City, Sisney, and Fairfield. And we all go on this trip together. It was a big donation by a private person over there, and we get to go. Now, Wayne City, we, have, we took about 26, 27 people. Our total number was 32. So we're sitting in the back of a huge charter bus. It's a great big charter. I mean, it's got Wi-Fi, plug-ins, high-definition TVs. The only thing they don't have is recliners, which if you're six foot one, you understand that those seats just don't, they just about this much, not enough to stretch your legs. So I thought very personally when I stepped on the bus. I said, guys, everybody wants to get on the bus. I said, guys, let me get on the bus first. Again, for obvious reasons, but I need to get on the bus first. And I got back, not all the way to the back. You don't want to sit all the way in the back in one of those buses because that's where the bathroom is. So I sat about five rows in front of that where I had a really good view of this TV. And there was a plug-in right behind me. Now watch. And I picked the most comfortable place I could possibly find on that bus for me. I'm a chaperone. I need two seats. I need a seat by myself. I'm not proud to tell you this. And my kids came on the bus, and the chaperones got, and we all got a seat. We had a husband and a wife, so they sat together, and me and, the other, me and another chaperone got our own seat. There's enough, we had three buses that went. We had plenty of room. About 40 per bus. They hold about 56. And I was sitting back there. Oh, so comfortable. Because I can like sit at an angle, because there's nobody beside me. I can use the other footrest and really spread out and just watch these movies and chill out on the way to Washington, D.C. And we went over to Fairfield and the Fairfield kids started to get on. And I moved from my inside seat to the outside seat. Because that's too important. I chose my comfort. As the kids would come in and they were getting upset because they themselves had to sit two to a seat. But in my mind, I kept going over. I'm the adult. I'm the chaperone. I need, to get, I need my rest, and I need to sit by myself so I can be comfortable, so I can see the TV better. And as they boarded the bus, I did one thing. I just put my head and took my eyes, and I looked straight down, and I avoided contact with their eyes that were coming in the bus. Such a pathetic way to act. So everybody boards to get on the bus, and about 30 minutes into our trip, God reminds me, of something that I happened to look up right before we left and saw one of my students. A senior, great kid, seat all to herself, sitting on the outside, could see everything perfect. A girl was coming in. And my student stood up, looked at that student right in the eye, and said, hey, you can sit by me, I'll see you and sit on the inside. 
and she gave up an outside seat to sit on the inside and be squished to ride 13 hours in a bus. And the only thing I couldn't do is make eye contact because I had to stay comfortable. I didn't wake up this morning saying, oh, I can't wait to share this story. I share this story to tell you that I'm a real person, that this affects every single person in this world, and we don't want to choose to lose. I didn't want to lose comfort. I didn't want to lose my seat by the TV. I needed my rest. Now look at all this justification going on. I'm the chaperone. That girl's five foot three. It doesn't matter. She can sit alone by herself or with another. You can put three of her in a seat. But Jesus talks to us in the New, in the New Testament. And he says to his disciples, you can either live one way or another way. If you have your worship hand out with you this morning, I want you to open it up and check out the first set of blanks. It says there are, there are two ways that we can live life. Number one, we can choose to live how the world says to live, and that is to win. Now think about it. If you got the, if you got the, if you got the community email this past week, I put some words in it. If you read those words, this is going to make a whole lot of sense. If you didn't, yeah, you may be lost for a little bit. I told somebody yesterday, I was talking about this, I was talking about this sermon. We were talking in here at the church planning, it was in the church planning meeting. I said, listen, I said, I played competitive baseball from age five to age 23. Competitive baseball from five to 23, the majority of my life. Never one time that I had a coach, did I have a coach come out of the dugout in between innings and he says, okay guys, we're going to go out there and lose as big as we can lose. Never one time. Never one time did I call a huddle with my volleyball players and says, guys, we're just going to play to lose this game, okay? Let's play another one. We're just going to play to lose this one. We'll play the third game. Never one time. Never once. Now this is what I have heard. The next time you get a ball in the dirt, you're going to block it in front of the plate so we can throw the guy out. Because we, this run matters. We have to win. Win. Win, 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 win. I heard a college coach come out on the field one time. My buddies missed a, a, a pop fly that was hit about 400 feet, and he just missed it. He was running in full speed, he just missed it. Our coach comes out during a game onto the field because winning is everything. Winning with him in his job. He stepped out on the field and out loud yelled to my roommate. He said, hey, there's a new rule in baseball. They said, if it hits the bat and it goes up in the air and you catch it before it touches the ground, it's called an out. If you know the rules of baseball, it isn't. It's a very old rule, or 1800s rule. He's being very sarcastic, saying, we have to win. You measure success in a job with where you get, how much money. The world says win. Or number two, this is where the mute button comes in. And some of you are thinking, well, what's the mute button? If Matt says something that you don't want to hear, you just go, mute, listen. This is not my words. I studied. This is God's word for us this morning. Look at this. Number two, we can choose to live how Jesus says to live, and that is to give. Think about it. I could have chosen. Now, I know that you guys don't have any stories like mine. I know that you guys really choose all always good. You always choose to be uncomfortable for other people. You know what? Some of you maybe do it more than I do. I try. I'm trying. And I didn't. That's an instant where I didn't choose it. But Jesus says, if you choose to live, that's how you give. We're going to be in, in, the, in the book of John this morning. And uh, before we get there, we're going to be in John chapter 12, verse 23. I want to give you a little bit of background as you turn there. John 12, 23. It's in the New Testament. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. I highly, highly, highly encourage you to bring your Bible so you can mark in them. At Connection, we think it's okay to underline something. That way, when you read it again, it may pop in your mind. But here's the, here's the background. We are after Palm Sunday, but we're before Easter. Okay? Jesus is teaching after Palm Sunday, and before Easter, before his death on the cross. So if you have John 12, 23, or you can look up on the screen. Let's go ahead and do that. Verse 23 of chapter 12 of John says this, Now Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. Oh, this is perfect. Now, 
The Jews had been awaiting the Messiah, hadn't they? He had come. Palm Sunday, woo! Wave the palm branches. Okay, have you ever been a part of a church where the kids walk around and they wave the palm branches and the palm branches are bigger than they are? And they celebrate, Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. And when He comes in, they lay the palm branches on so him, he, can, he can walk across them. Rejoice. But now He talks to these people. And He says this, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter, look at these last three words, into His glory. There were Jews that were sitting there going, Oh, yes, finally. David is back. We got, a, we got a Messiah. We have a king. And he's going to come into power. He's going to say, Pharisees, see ya. He's going to really rule the town. He's going to be decked out in gold. He's going to have a sweet horse. He's going to have his own chair. He's going to be everything. He's going to be big. And these guys were excited. I can imagine when you heard that, that Jesus was going to enter into his glory. Oh, yeah. Wow, these guys have watched him for three and a half years, some of them. Oh man, what, Jesus, what in the world does your glory even look like? We've just seen what you can do. Look at verse 24. Jesus goes on the other end of the spectrum right here. He says this, I tell you the truth. Why? Because Jesus doesn't lie. <laughs> I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. If the wheat doesn't go into the soil... It becomes stagnant and it just goes away, just blown away by the wind. Unless it's planted in the soil and dies. Now, the kernel of wheat gives up his life. Watch all these metaphors. The kernel of wheat gives up his life, goes into the ground and dies. Because it dies, it produces what? Another, another plant of wheat, right? And when the wheat comes up and the brand new shoot of wheat has what? A new head. So from one dying, there's a whole head of wheat that can come out of it. Jesus has all these metaphors. These guys are sitting there going, uh-huh, uh-huh. They have no idea what he's saying. But he says this, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Jesus is telling them, guys, you understand farming, so I'm going to talk about wheat. But really, this kernel of wheat is me. I'm going to die. They're going to plant me. They're going to bury me. But because I died, look, plentiful harvest of new life. When I die, you're going to be able to tell people, God raised Jesus from the dead. There's going to be a harvest of new people that follow Christ. But it can't happen unless what? Unless He dies. Death is necessary for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus had to shed His blood When we choose to die to ourselves, this is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is fully human. We have to understand this. He is fully human, just like me, just like you. Fully human. The emotions he has are the same that we have. Does he want to die? We can read, we can read just before he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, please pass this cup from me, but if it can't, I'll do it. He understands his role. Why, does he know why he's there? Yes, he knows why he's there. Does he want to? No, it doesn't make it more flattering just because he knows. I don't know about you, but some things in life I'd rather not know until they happen. I don't need to worry about them for 10 years. Think about that. Think about the emotion. Jesus was Jesus. He was God. And he knew all this stuff. But when we choose to die to ourselves, we can see the new growth in others. Now let me show you what that looks like. Choosing to lose the sermon series we're going to be in for four or five weeks. And this morning is live like what? What? Nobody else. How many people can you name? I'm just going to give you one hand. How many people can you name on one hand that every single time you ask them to do something, they give to you if they can? Now, there, there are people there. There are a lot of people like that in this church. You may be able to get five. But if you switch settings and you talk, look about people at work or maybe in your family or maybe in your, just your friends, think about that. People that give of themselves, people that, that give life, give up their, their comforts. 
It's not something that we're born with. What are we born with? We're born with selfishness. Look at a baby. It can get you to run all over the house. You can't. Well, it needs diapers changed. Nope, that's not it. Oh, we're getting some milk. That's not it. Maybe we hold it. No, we're crying. You've already made three mad dashes across the house. Selfish, it wants to be held. So it will just keep crying until it gets what it wants, doesn't it? Look at your worship handout. When we give our life, multiplication happens. No, I'm not going to preach about math. Okay? I took, I took pre-calculus. I took, I took uh, oh, what is that stuff? Trigonometry? Ooh. I took all that stuff. Okay. I like multiplication. It's a lot easier. <laughs> but when we give our life, multiplication happens. When we die, what we teach others now will live on. Now, I want to I I touch on base with something right here. There are some people in this church that think, ah, I've used up all the good in my life. I don't have anything left. If you are breathing and you have a heartbeat and you are here, God is not done with you. You more than likely have life knowledge or more biblical knowledge because you have longer on this earth to study it that you can put in, but you have to do this. We have to give of ourself, give of our comfort. You can't sit like me. In that bus, next to comfort, say, oh, yeah, this is good. I'm just going to cruise, and I'll be out of here in a couple years because I'm getting older, and God will just come and get me. God is not done with you. I've had conversations with people that are older than me in this church, and they are so valuable to me. They said, you know what? We're praying for you. I got a text message for somebody that couldn't be here this morning. It said, I'm with somebody in my family. I just want you to know that I love you, and I'm praying for you. You have any idea? Giving of himself. He said, I can't be here, but I'm going to give you some time this morning. I'm going to talk to God for you, about you. Dude, that's awesome. That's a giving. It's a giving. But we, we, all we want to do is we want to take sometimes. But what we teach others now will live on. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you in this room right now, we, we can raise our hands. This is interactive, okay? How many people in this room have someone in their family, someone that they know that has, has since passed on, so they're, they're dead. How many people in here from that person still remember something that they taught you? Look. Look. What we teach others now will live on. I'll never forget it. I was, I was, I was west of the Mennonite church in Orchardville Blacktop, and we were, I was, I don't know, 12, and I had a shotgun. And I was quail hunting. And my grandpa thought we were out there way early. And we were, and we were quail hunting. And my grandpa explained to me, he said, he said watch the, we were watching the sun come up. And it was just absolutely gorgeous morning. There was frost everywhere. It looked like there was diamonds. And he said, Matthew, every time, every time you see the sun come up, understand that God has a plan for you and he loves you. And he said, there's going to be some days where it's going to be really hard to look at that sun even if there's no clouds. There's going to be really hard days. I've never forgotten that. He also told me that day that he thinks God has a sense of humor. I think so too. Because if you've ever been quail hunting or rabbit hunting and you've walked with car hearts through briars and one of the briars gets caught here and goes... It's the exact same sound as a quail does when it takes off. You know where this is going. So I'm walking. I'm like, whoa. Briars. Grandpa always said, briars. Taught me. He taught me so much about life that I didn't even know he was teaching me. Have you had one of those people in your life? Maybe it wasn't part of your family, maybe it was a friend. But we all, every single hand in here went up that we live on. Their stuff lives on that they teach us when they die to themselves and they give and then they die physically. What they teach us is still here. How do I know it's true? We're looking at a book. It's over 2,000 years old. If those people didn't give of their life to write it down, we don't sit here today with this book. We don't. They gave of their life. Look at the next verse in the Scripture. John, John 12, 25 says this, Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Oh. 
There are times that life gets really, 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 really hard. Jesus doesn't say this to scare us, but he says it to, he says, don't wish your life away. When you were 15, how many people, how many people in here said, I can't wait to be 16? When you were 17, how many people can I can't wait to get 18? I can't wait to be 21. I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to have a family. I can't wait. We're wishing our life away. Jesus says, I don't want you to wish your life away. Don't wish your life away. We are not to live destructively. He says, don't just do what you want. Listen, he says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. That doesn't make any sense. There's probably some people in here that are really good at math. This equation on paper, I don't think makes sense. Think about it. If you have an apple and you give it away, do you have any apples? No. I'm not good at math, but just hear me out. If I have two oranges and I give two oranges away, how many oranges do I have? This formula doesn't work. You see what I'm saying? It does not work. Jesus is one of the only teachers in the history of this world to say, if you lose your life, you'll gain it. Oh. Those who care nothing for their life, they want to accumulate stuff. In this world, he said it will keep it for eternity. It means they're not going to have a relationship with me because they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They don't want to follow me. They don't want to listen to me. So after they die, they're not going to inherit what the people that give their life away does. We should sacrifice our life to teach others. Have you had somebody in your, in your life that sacrificed times in their life to just to teach you, just to put into you? If you have, you understand the importance of this. Some of us did not become the deer hunters that we are just on our own by ourselves. You may have read books by M.R. James. I met the man. He's absolutely unbelievable. He's the author and the founder of Bowhunter Magazine. I got to meet him past February. He grew up in Mount Carmel. And I read these stories about how he, how he did these things, and I would learn. And me and my buddy would trial and error, and we would learn. You didn't become, maybe some of you did, but more than likely, someone taught you how to bake that special family recipe apple pie. Or whatever it is. Someone taught you that secret to curing bacon. Someone taught you the secret in my life. Exactly what process you use to make that perfect chocolate cake. And every time someone would teach you something, listen, every time somebody speaks into your life, they're losing part of their life. You see this? It's time they could be doing something else. My grandma did not have to give me the secrets and teach me and tell me or me and my sister and give us that recipe for the perfect chocolate cake. She didn't have to do that. She could have said, here, here's the book. Perfect chocolate cake's in there. I'm telling you right now, unless you know the steps to do it, it will not turn out right. It won't. You'll mess it up. Those who lose their life in this world will gain it. This formula does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. Look at your worship handout. If we choose to lose our life, if we choose to give our lives away to glorify God, Jesus says that we are choosing to win. Now, look at this formula again in a different scenario. If I'm a baseball coach and I call my pitcher in, I said, hey man, listen, we're going to play this game to lose. I want you to throw all balls, no strikes. If you know anything about baseball or softball, unless you throw strikes, everybody's just going to walk, they're going to get the first, they're just going to keep scoring runs, and nobody's going to do anything. You're going to lose. If we choose to lose, we gain it. If we choose to give our lives away to glorify God, Jesus says that we are choosing to win. I have two oranges. I give those two oranges away. I don't have anything left. That's a physical math problem. I have two, I give them away, I don't have any. Jesus says, you have your life, you give your life away. Somehow, we gain life. You're blessed. 
There's other blessings that come into your life. You have the hope of eternity in heaven. Do you sacrifice so that you can show others God's love? Or, notice I put myself first in this line. Or are you stuck like I was last weekend? Ah, this is too comfortable. I like my time. I like sitting by my fire. Listen, relaxation is important and you have to do it. But I don't see too many stories that Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, just chill in your recliner. Think about it. Think about it. He's always, give, give, give. And when Jesus told these guys to give, it was give to people that they weren't comfortable giving to. I don't want to talk to that Samaritan woman. I don't want to talk to them. We're not supposed to talk to them. She says, I want you to give your life away for everybody. I came for everyone. Look at verse 26. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. There's There's not a big enough screen, a big enough font, big enough size, big enough number on your computer to make anyone. The Jews thought the Messiah came for them and that's it. They were wanting a king, they were wanting a guy like David, he wanted the armor, they wanted the gold, they wanted the huge chariots, they wanted the huge horses, but when Jesus says right here, when he says anyone, they said, you have got to be kidding me. We're the chosen ones. Think about it if you're a Jewish person. We're the chosen ones. What do you say anyone? This isn't for anyone. You are for us. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. No, no. No, no. Anyone. Did you see anywhere in this passage where Jesus says, now, we're going to need a written form of everything you've done in the past before I'll talk to you? Did you see that? You know, there's videos that, we, that, show, that shows us, and there, there's words that says, at Connection, we don't care where you come from. We don't care about your past. We're highly interested in where you're going. That's what Jesus is saying. My service must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. I don't care where you're from. I said anybody. You see that? Jesus says anybody. Anyone. If you grew up in a mansion or you grew up in a box, listen, I'm not, I'm not making light of any one of those, but I'm telling you, any background, any walk of life, anything, anyone, anyone. Jesus says, I want you to come. I want you to follow me. I want you to give your life away. No, this equation doesn't make sense, but I want you to learn to give your life so that you can show other people who I am. Follow me from here on out. I have a very awesome, cool, and sometimes it's very difficult, but I have the, it's an honor for me. It's an honor for me to go to seminary. And if everything works out, I'm probably next May I'm going to be done. I get to go graduate. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you've been in seminary, you understand. But in seminary, we get to focus and look on these, on these guys that all they did, and I'm not joking with this, they gave their entire life to study. If you thought writing papers in high school was hard, and, and you know, I don't know, I don't know who you had as, a, as an English teacher. Uh, my English teacher was pretty tough. So it was difficult to turn those papers in sometimes. In seminary, I had a class on the New Testament. And my teacher was between 60 and 65 years old. He had taught at this seminary since he got out at the age of 22. Yeah. He got his doctorate before he was 30. And his doctorate is in this. Listen to this. His doctorate is in Pauline literature. Everything that Paul wrote is right here. He understands the geography. He understands the demographics of who Paul was talking to. He was doing all this stuff. And for one of my classes, watch this. For one of my classes, I had to write a paper on the book of Galatians. And I had to turn in seven sermons on the book of Galatians to a guy that had a doctorate in Pauline literature. Now that's hard. And I expected to get that paper back just melted with red. 
But it wasn't that bad. I got, an, I got a low A on it. It's okay. But we get to study these, these people, and they're so... They, they, but this man, he gave his whole entire life. He knows anything that there is. And he'll tell you that he does it because he says, I'm a lifelong learner. I want to learn till I die. Wow, what a... What does he do? Listen, he's that colonel that says, I'm going to get buried and I'm going to die. But these guys that I teach, watch this, for over 40 years, I've given my life to teach, to study, to learn more. I'm going to give it away so that after I die, my stuff doesn't, the things that I learned that I can pass on, it doesn't go away. I learned stuff from that man I probably never forget. I also learned from this man. Look at the, look at the, uh, look at the screen. William Barclay. Now, this is a, he's a New Testament theologian. All that means is this. He studied it a lot. Watch this. Look what he says. God gave us life to spend and not to keep. Now, this, is, this part of the formula is not okay. You get money for your birthday, you spend it. Something that you're given, you get to use it. But Jesus says, God, or William Barclay says this, God gave us life to spend and not to keep. If we live carefully, always thinking first of our own profit, our ease, our comfort. This rang really, really close to home. Our security. If our sole aim is to make life as long and as trouble-free as possible. If we make no effort except for ourselves, we are losing life. All the time. Think about that. You're losing life one breath at a time. Connection is at a place in its life where we're going to go. We're going we're gonna to plant. Man, I got excited yesterday at church planting. <laughs> it's awesome. There's people that say, I'm going to give my life to go do this. That's awesome. I'm going to give my life to go do this. I'm going to give up a comfort. I'm going to have to drive to church. I'm, I'm not going to be four miles from church. I'm going to be so and so far. I'm going to give my life, whatever it takes. He goes on. But if we spend life for others, if we forget health and time and wealth and comfort in our desire to do something for Jesus and for the men for whom Jesus died, we are winning life. All the time. But this winning life is not like hitting a jackpot. This winning life is being added up post-life. You're winning. Oh, it would be so much easier, wouldn't it, if we could put on our special set of headphones where, where only, it's like an inner ear where only God and Jesus could talk to you. And when we do something, it goes, ooh, winning. All right. And then we do something, it goes, no, 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 losing. Wouldn't that be easy? The other day it came in the form of watching an 18-year-old girl stand up, move to the inside of the aisle so another person that she did not go to school with and that she did not know could sit down and be comfortable beside her. As I looked down, as I stayed comfortable, it's those types of things. Look at, look at on the screen, without turning there, look at Luke chapter 9. I'm going to jump back a book. Same story, listen to this. Then he said, Jesus, to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, now, you've heard this. You've heard this. If you've been in church at any time in your life, you've probably heard this. If any one of you, again, he says any, wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Here's this equation again but in a different form that we do not understand. Look at verse 24. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. What? Think about it. If you've ever been fishing and you hook a big fish, if you let go of the pole, it's gone. But if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. It, it doesn't make sense. It goes against everything that we're taught. Hang on to it and get it. But Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Literally translated, for the guys that Jesus was talking to, literally translated, verse 23 and verse 24 says this. Some of you, physically, on this earth, are going to have to carry a cross because you're going to die for me. Physically. You're going to give up your life. But watch, Jesus says this, if you give up your life, 
the people that you teach, that when you die in that, in that kernel in that ground and you're buried, the things that you say are going to come up into a new head of wheat and there's going to be more people. They get to become followers of me because you chose to lose it. We're told 11 of the 12 were put to death. John, they tried. It didn't work. So they just exiled them. And if the theologians, they study, they study John. They say he had such physical, uh, just physical stuff wrong with him that at the end of his life he couldn't walk. He would just lay there and he would just say, God loves you. And he, and he gave up his life. And he gave up time that he knew he was dying on that island to write a book that's kind of important. It's called Revelation. And he gave up time. People gave up time to copy this word over and over and over and over and over so we can read it today. Picking up the cross for these guys meant physically. At just as Jesus was in this story and in the story in John, just as Jesus was doing, these guys were taking one step closer to their death every single step they took. Every single one. Every single one. Sometimes it's easier for us to think of only what is in it for us when we talk about our relationship with God. God, I really need this. Okay. God is a God that listens. God is a God that loves us. God says, ask me. What if he asked? What have you done for me lately? What if, he reversed the, what if he reversed that formula? God, really, you know, I haven't really talked to you seriously in the last couple weeks, but if you could just, I don't know, I could use some more money. And God would re- revert back and he would say, what have you done for me? Have you given anything away for me? Have you, have you tried to live your life to show how good I am? Talk about a tough question to answer. Get your worship hand out. Jesus tells us how to apply these words to our daily life. Yes, you guys are really awesome scholars and you probably already knew what those said and some of you already filled them in. It's okay. Deny yourself, number one. Because of how the brain works in a human, because of science and how they've studied us as humans, I can tell you that not anybody in this room woke up this morning and said, all day long, God. Now maybe you did. Maybe you've reached that point of maturity. I don't want, maybe I don't say not everyone. But I think it would be very hard to find a whole group of people that woke up and said, God, I don't want to do anything that I want to do today. I want to do everything that, I, that you want me to do today. And then you actually did what he wanted you to do. Because even Paul, the great, the great Paul missionary said, the things I don't want to do, I what? I end up doing them. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing them. We have, the great, we have good intentions, don't we? Our intentions are phenomenal sometimes. But it, when it comes down to de- denying ourself, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. How about this? Some of you guys woke up this morning now, I don't eat cereal a lot. I like Frosted Mini Wheats, but I'm just not a big milk fan. But I have before gone into the kitchen. There's a box of Frosted Mini Wheats. Oh, those look good. And I look in the refrigerator, and there's just enough milk for one bowl of cereal. And there's just enough cereal for one bowl of cereal. What did my mind say? Eat it. Because I get up way before the girls, they'll never know. They can eat oatmeal today. I don't even think there's a choice between oatmeal and frosted mini wheats. I mean, really, that's, you know, frosted mini wheats are, I don't know, they might be in heaven. I don't know. We're not told of the food, I guess. But denying yourself, hey, I'm going to eat that. I'm just going to have it. Now, you think, how in the world are you relating cereal to your, to your life? How about this? How 
How easy would it have been for me to scoot over? How easy would it have been to scoot over? No, I like it. I like it. There's a story that my grandpa used to tell, obviously, something else that, I've, that I heard. This makes a lot of sense. There are two young brothers, and they lived in a household that didn't have a lot of money, so when mom would make dessert, it was a big deal. And she made a special plate of double chocolate fudge brownies. Amen. And they were on the kitchen table, and she calls out to them. They're both playing in the yard, and she says, Guys! The brownies are ready, and two boys take off, and they run towards the house, and the older one, being a little bit faster than the younger one, gets to the plate first, and he's like, he's guarding it, and he waits for him to walk in the door, and he goes, mine, 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 mine. See, he didn't deny himself. He's like, I want them all. So the young brother, being very intelligent, walks up and goes, yours, 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 yours. You'll get that afternoon. We don't, we don't like to deny ourselves because we want what we want. I've worked hard to get this. Okay, enjoy it. Good. Number two, pick up your cross. I'll go back to deny for a second. We're talking about those brownies. Matt, you're talking about cereal, you're talking about brownies, you're not talking about anything. I said, listen, real life says this. Why couldn't I have scooted over or this? Mary and I call this when we go out to eat or we go somewhere. If there's a parking spot really close to where we're going, we call it rock star parking. Some of you do not deny yourself of rock star parking anywhere you go. There are people that need to park close. My dad taught me this a long time ago. My dad's still living, but I'm still going to remember this after he, go, after he goes someday. You got legs, park in the back and let somebody else park closer. Now he's telling that to me. But that's what denying yourself means. Man, how can I, I can get here early and sweep the carpet, vacuum the carpet. I can get here early and go through songs so they sound good and you guys are singing awesome today. I can get here early and I can start the coffee. I can make popcorn. That's denying yourself. I could sleep in, but there's people that are going to enjoy this popcorn if I can get there and I can get it all done. Number two, he says, pick up your cross. Understand that we do what we do to point others to Jesus. I'm not perfect, and neither are you. You do stuff that doesn't. When I didn't scoot over, it wasn't a great big loud example. Matt loves Jesus. Just look, he doesn't scoot over. Listen, I hate that story. I absolutely did not want to tell you, but I think that some of you are going to get what I'm saying because I told you that. But Jesus says, pick up your cross. Why? Go home and make a list of everything that God's done for you. And don't do this. Don't make up a list of everything you think you've done for God. It's going to be way weighted on one side. Don't do it. In CR, CR they tell us to keep our, our good and our bad even. Don't do that. That's a lopsided one. You're dealing with God and His grace. He loves you so much. Why wouldn't we give? Number three, He says, follow me. Oh. This is my favorite one. I was taught this one. I was taught this one so literally, physically, and spiritually in my life. I was very, very blessed. When I was a young man, I was four or five years old, I'd go rabbit hunting with my grandpa. And I told you this story before. My grandpa was built like this, and he's about this thick, and he was like a train. If you knew him, he was. And he would take these steps like this. He said, Come on, follow me. There's no briars right here. And I'm sitting there going, Good night. You know, he's like 50 and I'm like four. I'm like, good, can you slow down? Why did I want to step in his, step in his footprints? Because I knew they were safe. He was bigger than me. If, it, if there wasn't something that would fall in, it wouldn't certainly fall in on me. Follow me, Jesus said. He says this. He's telling these guys, he's telling us today. He says, I want you to replace yourself. You do something here at church, you find somebody else that's not plugged in and you teach them how to do that job. When you're gone, you can look what Colton did. Now, this is not about Colton, but Colton did a good job. He goes, I'm pretty nervous. That's okay. You only need to do it about 10,000 more times, and you're going to be good. Me too. Follow me. Replace yourself. Replace yourself. 
so hard for us to do because we want to say, we can just do it. It'd be easier. My dad does not know anything about dealing with an engine of a car because my grandpa Gene wouldn't take the time to show him. He would just do it. Listen, you see that? When we take time to just do things ourselves, we can't teach other people. Look on your worship handout. I've got some... I'm sorry, just look at the screen. These are not in your worship handout. Look at, look at these. I'm just going to just look. How would your life be different if you chose to lose your life? If you choose to lose your life for God's glory? How would your life be different? What would someone say that you work with that came to work tomorrow and instead of you being right by the door, you were in the back. If you're physically capable, okay? I'm not saying that everybody needs to walk in the back and have a disability walk. Don't do that. That's silly. That's why they make the handicap spots. You use them. They're for you. But how would your life be different? Watch. What would that person say if they came in tomorrow and they saw always where you park and it's really close to the door and they came in and you were like over there on the other end of the parking lot and you walked all the way across? You ever see where the Walmart parkers park? Off to the side? They're not in front of the door, are they? Nobody works at Walmart, nobody knows. If you go there at like 6 in the morning, often they're off to the right. Look at the next one. What would your workplace look like if you, cho- if you choose to lose your life to glorify God? What would it be like? What if you denied yourself the pleasure of keeping to talk about someone else and you just stopped it? Whoa. What does it look like to deny yourself? In the book of James, later on in the New Testament, he talks about our tongue being sharper and double, just whew, fast. It'll cut quick. Some of us, we don't deny ourselves of that. We say, oh yeah, I want to talk about this. If you, don't think that I'm, if you do not think that I'm telling the truth, please log on to Facebook. Go. Not now. If we choose to lose your life to glorify God. What does it look like? Is it a better place? Look at the next one. What areas of your life can you choose to lose? Now, this is personal. You say, man, I don't have any of those areas. I said, well, you're not breathing in. What are your areas of your life can you choose to lose? You know what I said of this? I ask myself all these questions at my house. Every single one of them. I don't ask you anything that I don't ask myself or that God asks me. And I said, Matt, what would you choose what, what an area of your life that you can choose to lose? And I said, I need to scoot over next time. That was so silly. Why could I have not? Then I look back, I'm like, man. What would that have said of me? To scoot over, to let someone come and sit down that I didn't even know. What would it, how, could I, how could God have used that? A big, in a big way. Thankfully, God gives me a second chance to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. So later on in the trip, I'm holding the door open. There's 122 kids. I'm holding the door open. These guys are walking through. They don't say anything. And some of the girls walk through. Thank you very much. And I said, hey. I'm holding the door open for them. I said, hey, hey, stop. I said, no. you're the first person to say something. First person to say thank you. Well, I appreciate it. I said, if you're dating a guy or you're thinking about marrying a guy that doesn't want to do this, think about that. I said, if they're not doing that, they need to come talk to me. They don't even know me. They're like, oh, he's weird. <laughs> How can you choose to lose? Choosing to go all the way to the back of the line. Now listen, think about this. 13 hours on the road, chaperones choose to lose. We get in the back of the line after 122 kids. It's not like it's like rocket fast through this line. And we're standing there. And the kids are like over there eating. Aren't you hungry? Duh. <laughs> I said, we chose to let you go first so you guys can eat. Oh, there was no smart aleck after that. Oh. What area or areas in your life and you choose to lose. Choosing to live your life for Jesus or not for Jesus, living like no one else is heard somewhere else. If you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, 
He's a financial genius. He can help you get out of debt. Something that we do in our mentor process here in, in Connection, we, we go through this financial piece with people, how to, how to get there, how to get out of debt. He says this, watch this. If you live like no one else later, you can live like no one else. That's true with finances, and it's true with being your spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. If you live like no one else right now, later you can live like no one else. Think about that. Think about how many times you said, man, I wish I, could, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. Jesus is asking you right now. He said, listen, I want you to live like you never lived before. And that living means this. You've got to give it all away. We listened to Hillsong Go before we came up. Giving it all the way away. And I, and, I, and I just walked up. And I was like pumped. I wanted to jump up on the stage. Half you people were already singing it. I'm like, wow. If we were playing this song, they would have got loud. It still got loud. You guys like the I Am Free thing too. But if we choose to live like no one else, Jesus says, you choose to give your life away, it's not like everybody's going to do it. They're going to look at you weird. That, that girl stopped and looked at me weird. She goes, why are you holding the door open for me? You don't know me. It's because you're a girl. I was taught this. And if you're dating somebody or thinking about marrying somebody that's not doing this, you should probably have them come talk to me because I need to explain a couple things to them. And again, she just walked away like I was weird. So whatever. Hopefully she'll get it. But living like no one else. Maybe, maybe she goes, maybe the next time they get up and go to a restaurant, they go up to a door. You know, I remember Mr. Griswold. I don't even know who that guy is, but he, he held the door for me. He chose to eat after I did. Why? See, look at this. Why did Esther scoot over? Because she chose to lose. Why do we wait to eat in the back? Because we chose to lose. Now you think, man, those are just, that's just food and it's just comfort. Food and comfort as Americans are a big deal. They're probably number one and two. Other than our TVs and our cars. We are called to be different. We are called to live our lives to glorify God. No matter if we have six months left, six days left, 60 years left, or five weeks left on this earth, we are called to live like no one else. Giving everything away. The next three weeks, we're going to be diving in to living like no one else, giving like no one else, and choosing how to lose. Some of us, this is brand new. Wow, this choosing to lose thing doesn't sound fun. I can assure you, Mary and I have been able to give, choose to lose, either financially or time, and we choose to give that away, and we do, not public, we do not post it on Facebook. It is not for public knowledge. We don't want the glorification. But I'm telling you right now, we have done something in the last two or three weeks, and we, we did this because we could, because we, God is helping us financially. And I went home, and I saw her, and I could not wait to just enjoy laying beside her that night knowing that God is using us and able to use that because we said we could. Use us, God. I'm telling you. When we choose to lose, you're just different. It's not a format. You can take all the paper that you want, all the scratch paper you want, any ACT test you want, and I'm telling you, that formula doesn't make sense on paper. If I have two oranges and I give them away, I don't have any. Let's pray. God, we ask you to show us these things in our life that we need to change. God, there's things in my life, things in life in the, these people here. God, that, oh, we, it's so hard. Denying ourselves as Americans, as followers of Christ, as, as just people, humans, it's hard. God, but challenge us this week that we can live like no one else. We can be that seed of wheat. And God, until, until you call us home, God, we can die to ourselves, And you can raise that new plant up with a new head of seeds on it. That after we're gone, the things that you taught us live on. Help us to give everything we can away. 
Help us to replace ourselves. Help us to put into people. Help us to genuinely care and pray for people. Speak love and truth into them. God, we love you. And we thank you for giving what you gave in the form of your son. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.